Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. He gave himself for our sins to rescue us from this present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Word of God for a special consideration this morning is our first lesson, Isaiah 64, verses 1 through 9, as printed in your bulletins and already read. Dear friends, watching and waiting for Christ's coming. There is a a song that we don't sing in our Lutheran churches, but the sentiment of the title is one that many of us can relate to in one way or another. Give me that old-time religion. It expresses a desire for what used to be and is not seen anymore or not seen enough anymore. Neither the lyrics nor the sentiment have anything you might call theological depth. They are more about longing and belonging than about salvation or or truth. But there is something that people today associate with old-time religion that we truly do not see much anymore. Any expectation or call for God to act to punish sin and sinners. The stereotypical fire and brimstone preacher in a, well, that's a, that's a hard to find relic of a days long gone. And, and, and it's understandable that that's hard to find since so many churches today don't talk much about sin anymore. It hardly makes sense that they'd be looking for a holy and almighty God to strike down those who practice and promote it. Still, God's people cannot help but look at the world and and how unholy forces are arrayed against the church and against the truths of scriptures. And, well, we want to see some of that old-time religion that preachers used to preach, that that the Bible teaches once was the way that the Almighty dealt with rebels, the immoral, and and, and heathen enemies. The first verse of Isaiah 64 here is a prayer expressing exactly that longing and desire. The prophet, speaking for all God's people, remembers what the Lord had done in the past when His glory and His power had been mocked or defied and and when people presumed to live in accord with their basic desire or basest desires and call it good. And, And when ungodly, unbelieving forces had attacked godly believers, terrorizing the faithful and, and killing the innocent? Well, what did the Lord do in those cases? Well, He sent a flood to wipe the earth clean of, of a population that only thought of evil all the time. He struck Egypt with ten increasingly more terrible plagues because of Pharaoh's rejection of God's command and, and his mistreatment of God's people. He struck his people's enemies with diseases and droughts. He he opened up the ground to end rebellion. He he sent fire from heaven and, and held back waters to help his people escape their enemies. Isaiah also remembers how the Lord came down on Mount Sinai to give the law to his people Israel when the mountain and all around it quaked and smoked and it was clear that God was present not only in His power and glory, 
but in his holiness as well. And if we're honest, and we should be, as God's people, we would probably like to see some more of all of that from him. The world could use it, we think. The militant, abusive atheists would be humbled and and tremble to see God coming down from heaven. The purveyors of filth that fill our airwaves, cables, and internet with enticements to ever greater immorality, well, well, they would quake in fear when confronted with His holiness. The books written, the movies made, the art hung, the banners waved, and the institutions created, everything that glorifies evil and openly defies God would disappear in a searing flash as fire ignites stubble. Finally, there would be clarity about who is God and who is not. Certainly, there would be certainty that the righteous stand with the Almighty and the Almighty stands with the righteous. The Lord would do amazing things no one would expect. Nations and cultures would be humbled and sinners everywhere would tremble at His coming. So yeah, give us some of that old-time religion. Or maybe not. It's worth remembering that the people trembling in fear at the foot of Mount Sinai when the Lord came down there were not Israel's enemies. It was Israel itself, the people of God. Why did they tremble? Because they too were sinners. Because they too could not help but be terrified in the presence of the all-holy and almighty God. And since we are sinners just as they were, do we really want that kind of old-time religion? For all the times that we have presumed to know better than God, and have done what we preferred rather than what He commands, we should be humbled and tremble to see Him. For all the filth that we have brought into our homes and our hearts, through our eyes and our ears, and for all the immorality that we have allowed ourselves to be enticed into, well, we should quake in fear when confronted with God's holiness. For all the things that we have bought and borrowed and made and made use of that that glorify evil and defy God's nature and authority, we should feel the fires of God's righteous wrath. All the days that we have lived here in, in absolute indifference to God's existence or will or love should haunt us. We should recognize that there is nothing righteous within us and that we stand apart from God. Since as sinners born and bred, we deserve death and hell, should the sight of the Lord ripping open the heavens and coming down thrill us or chill us? Isaiah doesn't need to talk in his prayer about what should be. He can talk about what is and what was. He speaks for us to the Lord and confesses, you were angry because we sinned. We have remained in our sins for a long time. 
And that's why he asks, can we still be saved? And God has made his feelings known, even without ripping the heavens open to bring judgment on us. We have all experienced what Isaiah talks about here. When, when we have held on to our iniquities and refused to let go of our sinful desires. We know what it's like to have our spirits wither within us like leaves and have our guilt carry us away like the wind. We know what it's like to have the Lord of love who created us hide His face from us, letting us feel what it's like to truly have Him out of our lives and out of our business. We know what it's like when He melts away our pride and our pleasures Let us feel the weight and shame of our guilt. These are the things He does to make us aware of what we have done, of how we have failed Him, of how we have turned on Him and abandoned our promises of faithfulness and holiness. He disciplines us by withdrawing from our lives and letting us feel the fires of hell nipping at our toes. But He does not destroy us. Not while we remain His people. We can still be saved. The Lord is who He has always been and always will be. The God of free and faithful grace. Yes, He is our mighty Creator, but He is also our gracious and loving Shepherd. Yes, His wrath burns hot forever against sin and rebellion. But He limits His anger and saves His children from the fires of hell. Yes, His discipline is sometimes harsh, but it always serves His loving and merciful purposes to bring us to repentance and a stronger faith. Yes, our guilt is real and serious, but He will choose not to remember it forever. Why? Well, we can say it is just because of who He is, but it is so much more than that. God can set His anger aside, His anger over sin, and He can snatch us from the fires of hell because because of what He did. He parted the heavens and came down, not with a rip, but with a word and a sign and a baby's cry. The mountains did not quake, but the skies over Bethlehem were briefly filled and resounded with an angel choir sent to announce to humble shepherds the humble birth of the greatest shepherd. That child was both God and man, and as Messiah and King of the Jews, He did amazing things that no one expected. He preached repentance and the grace of God. He said no to earthly pomp and power and said yes to perfect obedience to His heavenly Father's will. And He submitted Himself without resistance to shame and humiliation, to torture and injustice, and finally, to crucifixion and death. All, all so that our debt of sin might be paid. 
All so that we would not have to suffer the eternal torments of hell that we deserve. All so that His righteousness could be made our righteousness. He died on the cross, and three days later He rose and left His garden tomb so that we might have life instead of death, heaven instead of hell, and joy instead of terror. And because He did what He came to do, all who put their trust in Christ and His work have what He came to give us. And that makes us the people of God. Children of the Heavenly Father. It's not about genes or genealogy. It doesn't matter who our parents are. All that matters is that we put our faith in Christ. And then, then we are certain that God is our Father and a loving, compassionate, generous, and merciful Father at that. And the thing is, that's who He has always been. This new religion that is all about God's grace to sinners in Christ Jesus, God's Son, is the same as the old-time religion. Because God is the same God yesterday, today, and forever. The righteous whom He welcomes are righteous not because of what they have done and do, but because of what He has done and does. And the sinners and the rebels who quake and are headed for the fire are those who have rejected His righteousness and grace and replaced it with worthless Ego, idols, and ideologies. We who trust in Him still fear the Lord because we know His power and holiness. And we know who we are and what we are by nature, but we also rejoice to know Him. And we love, honor, and serve Him because of His immeasurably great mercies toward us in Christ and, and throughout our lives. But we still pray for His coming. We still ask and still sing that He would rend, that He would rip open the heavens wide and come down. We do still want to see justice done. We do still want to see an end to persecution, perversion, and pain. But even more than that, we are eager for our final redemption. When the Son of God who saved us will return in glory with the clouds and take us with Him to live in His perfect paradise, a new heavens and a new earth that will be our home forever. And so we pray for mercy, for forgiveness for all our filth, for deliverance from death and hell and every danger. We pray for salvation, for readiness, for an ever stronger faith. And we thank God for doing and giving all of these things so generously. And thank Him for His means of grace, the Gospel and the Word and the sacraments through which He does and gives them. We pray daily to be remade the master potter making us the clay into ever more perfect imitations of His Son. We pray that God comes to us every day 
to bless us and to be our guest. And we pray. We pray that our Lord comes to us soon, one last day, to take us home. Come, Lord Jesus. Come. Amen. Please rise. May the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit, both soul and body, be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. Amen.